Welcome to Type It Out with T and Cass, the podcast where we talk all things Enneagram and Ag, learning and growing together in who we were made to be. I'm T. And I'm Cass. We're a couple of ranching women who are also self-professed Enneagram nerds. You may have heard of the Enneagram, but for those who haven't, the Enneagram is a personality typing system, but it's not like all the others. Where the others determine your type based on traits, your Enneagram type is determined by motivation. We're so glad you're here, and we hope you enjoy the show. Welcome, friends. We kicked off our series talking to friends of all nine types last time with our guest, Allie, who is a type eight. If you haven't listened to that one yet, you're going to want to for sure. Today, we're interviewing our very own T, who is a type nine. Type nine is also referred to as the peacemaker. Nines are spiritually lazy people who have a tendency to merge with others' priorities and preferences to maintain their inner peace and avoid conflict. So T, can you introduce yourself, please, and tell us a little more about you? Well, for sure. So I'm T. I am the T of T and Cass. Uh, my husband and I live and work on a large ranch in the sand hills of Nebraska with our three kids. I love coffee and Jesus, but I also cuss a little. So there's that. Uh, I am also a type nine. I like to get my sloth on a little bit. And we will explain what that means. She's not meaning the animal unless Taryn, you have a pet sloth that you've never told me about, in which case I'm furious with you. I don't have a pet sloth, but I would not be opposed to it. (laughs) Okay. Listeners, if you have a pet sloth hookup, um, although I feel like that's probably not okay, you know, because animals and endangerment and stuff, but if you have a sloth hookup, let us know. Okay. When you first discovered the Enneagram and that you were a type nine, what felt the most true for you? What was the aha moment where you felt seen and just knew you were a nine? So when I first discovered the Enneagram, I didn't know that I was a nine, but when I, where I really discovered that I was a nine was when I was reading the road back to you and I was reading actually about the sloth part. So the sloth is the nine's deadly sin and it's kind of tied to the motivations of a nine, which are to keep the peace at all costs, inner outwardly and inwardly and avoid conflict. And so that where the sloth comes in is that nines can be spiritually lazy. And I sometimes fall asleep to my feelings to keep the peace with people around me or even within myself. Like if I'm having inner conflict or whatever, I will, the way that I sloth it up is I just like shove it down and quiet it until it goes to sleep. (laughs) Sounds really silly, but I don't know how else to explain it. Um, So that when I was reading the road back to you, that was really my aha moment when I was reading what sloth actually was, because sometimes when you just look at the deadly sins of the Enneagram, you're like, well, that doesn't make sense. I've even had people tell me, but you're not lazy. No, sloth does not mean that I'm lazy. It means that I fall asleep spiritually, inwardly, outwardly to keep the peace and avoid conflict. And that is definitely me. 
So when you say you fall asleep to your feelings, I'm assuming that they eventually pop up. And is this related because nine is also in the gut or anger triad along with eights and ones. Do you find that when you, well, first of all, two questions, do those feelings end up coming back when you fall asleep to them? Do they pop up in some way? And is that related to how you feel or show anger? Yes. Well, okay. So it depends on how invested I am on where I stand on the feeling. Like if it's just something that I'm kind of like annoyed about, but doesn't really matter in the long run, it doesn't come back up usually. But if it's something that is important to me or I'm that, that I'm actually angry about and I have a firm stance on and I shove it down, then yes, it will definitely come back later. And in the form of an ugly explosion of emotions involving the ugliest cry you've ever seen. And it's usually triggered by something totally and completely unrelated to what I'm even angry about. (laughs) I'm I'm picturing it in my brain and guys, it's, if you've ever, If you've ever seen a nine explosion of emotion, it I'm sure looks ridiculous because it feels ridiculous. It's so there's just so much ridiculousness there. And you can't when you're in the middle of it, you just can't you just can't stop it until it's done. (laughs) Well, everyone take note about the nines in your life. Don't try to stop it. Just let it just let it go. Write it out. So knowing what you, the depth of your knowledge of the Enneagram far exceeds mine. Um, so what has been the most beneficial for you knowing your type? The most beneficial thing for me knowing my type has been recognizing that I do shove feelings down. Um, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I've been called toxically positive before because I don't like feeling negative feelings. So I shove those down and I I don't have a problem sitting with other people in theirs or if they want to feel things like that, but I don't like feeling it and recognizing that because here's the thing it, when I shove things down, it's usually because we're doing something that isn't necessarily what I want to be doing, but because that feels like conflict voicing what I really want to do, I'll, I will just be quiet and shove down my feelings of annoyance or anger or frustration to go along, to get along. And so recognizing that I do that and setting boundaries and knowing that if I want to stave off an ugly explosion, I have to actually, have a little bit of conflict in my life and say what I think and say what I want and, and voice my opinions in the moment has been really, really beneficial for me. Actually, I started really working on this probably, let's see, it was early, late winter, early spring, February, March-ish, I really started honing in and working on this and like saying in the moment or feeling the feeling in the moment. And I have not had 
an explosion that I can remember. I felt one coming on a few weeks ago and I was able to like not shove it down, but I was able to pray about it and work through it. Like in that moment, the only word that I could get out was help me or words, help me, help me, help me. And you know what? God came through and he helped me. Didn't have the ugly explosion, let myself feel what I was feeling, but it didn't like, wasn't like a volcano erupting. (laughs) That's good. And this is one of the reasons why I love the Enneagram, because when I hear other people talk about their type, it helps me relate to them better. So world, if you have a nine in your life, make sure you give them space uh, to have their own opinion and to really ask for their opinion and then validate it and not just put, you know, impose your will upon them because they probably will go along with it. Given all of that, or maybe you've already kind of talked about it. What's the biggest struggle that you have that you now realize is a type nine struggle? Um, definitely going along to get along. <laughs> And that kind of relates back to like shoving down the feelings, but definitely, definitely going along to get along is the biggest struggle for me because I didn't think that I did it. Honestly, when I started doing the work on myself and learning more about me, I'm like, I don't do that. But then when I sit down and really think about things, I do, I totally do. And so now something that I do in the moment is I will ask myself, is this something that I really want? Does this matter to me? If the answer is no, then I might go along to get along. Or if I don't have a preference one way or the other, if the answer is yes, this really matters to me, I will say something or try to say something. I'm still working on me, (laughs) but another big struggle for me which seems silly and I think is compounded by the fact that I'm a mom of children who are in school. We also ranch. We got a lot of things going on, but definitely I think stems from my nineness in, in that nines are doing dominant and doing repressed is that I am always doing something, but you know, it's a crapshoot on whether or not it's what I actually need to be doing. And I forget a lot of things that need to be done because, okay, here's a, here's a really recent story. The other day I was making waffles and I was waiting for the waffle maker to get done. So while I was waiting for the waffle maker to get done, I started doing something else and completely forgot I was making waffles. So I burned the waffle. <laughs> I Yes, that, that sort of thing happens to me all of the time. I mean, I don't always burn things, but I'll start something and it's taking a while. So I'll start doing something else. I cannot be trusted to multitask. I need a list. I know that now. <laughs> A prioritize list, probably. Yes. Yes. Importance. Is that helpful? Yes. Don't give me just a list because I will be like, I'll start wherever I want and it might not be what actually needs done first. So another thing about the nines, which I think is really cool. And is one of the reasons why nines are the peacemakers is because if you look at a picture of the Enneagram nines, 
like the Enneagram chart with like the weird star thing. Nines did at the top. So they have a bird's eye, bird's eye view of all of the other types and can empathize with each of them except themselves <laughs> and have a really good perception of what everybody might be thinking. So they're very good mediators. And I have experienced this in my own life with you when I am having a crisis and I'm about to, um, usually I'm about to say words that I should not. I call Taryn, I get on Marco Polo and she usually, I'm usually like hiding behind my bed in my room. So no one knows that I'm there. And she walks me through whatever crisis is going on. And I have always wondered that I know being a peacemaker is your, is, is your personality type, but does that come as naturally to you as it seems, or have you, is that a skill you have developed to help, to help mediate and help others see all sides of things and resolve conflict? I think both. The seeing all sides of things comes very naturally. In fact, I've said more times than I care to admit the past 15 months or so, however long it's been since the pandemic started, I wish that I couldn't see all sides of things sometimes because honestly, it makes me feel so torn. I mean, okay, we had pandemic and we had an election, That's a very bad combination (laughs) for someone who enjoys peace. Um, The part that I think has I've learned or um, honed, we'll say, is the actually voicing and giving advice. I don't think that that I mean, maybe part of that is innate, but I think part of that is learned or I've kind of fostered that a little bit in myself, knowing that I can see all sides of things where not everyone can. Like this is something that I've learned through the Enneagram and listening to other people who know the Enneagram is that I always thought that everyone could see the other side. They just didn't want to. The truth is, is that not everyone has the ability to see the other side. They, they, they legitimately cannot see any other perspective or entertain any other perspective than the one they have. And where I and I think a lot of other nines are is we know where we stand on issues but that doesn't mean we can't see the other side or other sides. Like we can see them, we can understand them, we can empathize with them, even if we have our own personal convictions. So um, part of the reason I say that the advice giving and mediating has been honed is because also Sometimes that feels like conflict. Like, do does Cass really want to hear what I have to say? Because she's having feelings and she's in her perspective, but I'm going to offer her another, like, I'm going to open this window and let her see out what, what the other person might be seeing. And so does she really want that? And so that's where I say that's been honed because sometimes that doesn't always feel very comfortable for me to do, but I recognize the benefit that it could be for the other person if they're open to it, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? 
yes, you don't want to give people advice where they are going to be upset. Like you want them to be able to receive that advice and not get mad at you for giving it because that is conflict. And for the record, any advice you ever have to give to me, just give it. I'm getting better at receiving advice. So one thing that I always say, or I try to always say before I give advice is I'm going to give you advice. Feel free to take it or if you can use it, or if you don't want, then that's cool. I will not be offended if you let it go in one ear and out the other. Now, recognizing that I have been called toxically positive, I I say that, but in addition, before I actually give the advice, I also say, do you want me to be a listening ear today or do you want me to offer some advice? If they say yes to the advice, then I say, here's my advice. I won't be offended if you don't take it because I won't (laughs) be offended if you don't take it. I will have like a visceral reaction if you, if I give my advice and you get mad at me or like combative with me because that's conflict. (laughs) So I don't, I don't like that really. And, and the visceral response also comes with sweaty armpits. (laughs) (laughs) That's really good to know. You guys don't make your nine friends sweat. And I will say from my own experience with nines with you, and then I have some other, other people in my life who are also nines, you guys generally do not give bad advice. Um, I mean, I, that's not a blanket statement team. I'm sure there's a nine out there who is giving out bad advice left and right. I don't know that person. I know that I love having nines in my life who are graciously able to help me see more, more sides than the one that I am currently seeing when I am in, you know, like a blind rage. But, um, so if a nine is offering advice, friends, I think you should, I think you should at least listen and and probably take it or just think on it for a while because their ability to see and know people is just, it's the coolest and it's unparalleled. I think beyond all the other types, they're just, you guys are all seeing within limits of humans. I should add that. So yes, we're human. We're, 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 yeah. we're only human. <laughs> you are the most peaceful humans. You guys are like a calm. You're very calm. And I know the calmness is sometimes a perception that people on the outside see. I know you guys don't always feel calm inside, but you are a very calming bunch to be around. So, um, another thing I wanted to ask you about, because people have, mentioned this to me in an offhand way. And this is another thing that probably ties, but it does tie back into sloth is in, and falling asleep to your feelings and your own opinions. I've had people say Taryn has such a strong brand. I mean, not just your faith, family and beef brand, but we know it's really easy to see who you are and what matters to you. So do you have words of advice for other nines that are maybe not so great at navigating the space of really just being themselves and not what other people want them to be or having, you know, standing on their own feet rather than falling asleep to their feelings and going along? So I think this is something that is um, kind of a constant work in progress for me 
there have been times in my life where I feel really strong in who I am. And then there are other times in my life where I question and where I've gotten to now is when I'm questioning whether, because when you go along to get along a lot, or you're falling asleep to your feelings a lot, you feel lost and you don't know, you can't remember who you are. And so one thing that I've been doing recently when I get in that place, which I haven't been there for a while, but I always just keep this in my back pocket. And I, I ask myself and even like writing in the online space and being on a public forum, like I've chosen to do, I always come at it from a place of, is this true for me? Is this true for me? So that has helped me when I'm like, have been falling asleep to myself a lot when I've been going along to get along a lot. It also helps me when I'm interacting with people online. We all have varying opinions. We have different perceptions, perspectives, all the things. And so when I'm conversing with people or writing things on my platforms, it's always from a place of, is this true for me? Because if it's true for me, then it's not false for me. Does that make sense? I mean, obviously if I'm saying something like the earth is flat, that's obviously false. (laughs) But for example, when I write about things that we do here on the ranch and how we handle cattle and things like that, those are things that are true for us, me, our operation. Is that a good example? <laughs> yes, because people are going to pop out of the woodwork telling you that you should do it differently or that's not how they do it. And then it becomes this situation where people are making judgments based on how you do things and knowing that something is true for you is very valuable, especially for a nine. I think we could all probably get a little bit more honed in on what is true for us. Cause I would imagine that when you are really locked into what is true for you and people maybe push back and say, well, this is true for me. I'm assuming that probably feels like conflict, but that when you're really locked into to you, to Taryn, it's less difficult to deal with. Is that right? Yes. Yes. It's less, less sweatiness because I know that, that my truth doesn't necessarily have to be their truth and vice versa. Um, Another thing that really has helped me is recognizing that I do need quiet time and I do need nines are in the withdrawing stance along with fours and fives. And we do need time away from people to recharge, so to speak. So my recharging happens twice a day in the morning. I get in the word. I do my Bible study. I sit and pray. I journal. I, and then I, I talk to Jesus all day long too, but that quiet, or I'm going to call that my quiet time because then what I do at night, I call my sloth time where I'm totally just being lazy and, and not doing anything really important. I mean, it's important for me, but not of importance to anyone else. But at night I'll sit and while I'll lay in bed and watch, um, law and order SVU. (laughs) 
multiple episodes usually everything that's great if you if you have to pick a show to love that's a great one because it has literally 700 episodes i should it doesn't literally everybody. It's one of my pet peeves, and I do it all the time. Um, it might, but be, it has lots of episodes. It would be really close because they're in like t- season twenty-one or two, and if every season has twenty episodes, that's that's true. a lot of episodes. Hmm. I will research and get back to everybody. So, <laughs> um, can you? You just talked about the withdrawing stance a little bit. Can you, just because, because you're the expert at this, can you tell us a little bit more about, about what the withdrawing stance means and also tell us about your wings and how are your wing, your strongest wings and how they, how it plays into how you show up as a nine. Okay. So first of all, I'm not an expert. Have I read lots of books? Yes. Am I an expert? I don't feel like I am yet. Maybe someday. Um, But the withdrawing stance is made up of fours, fives, and nines. And so um, when we get a little bit stressed or we feel our energy levels being depleted in the withdrawing stance, we literally withdraw. And I think it varies between the fours and fives and nines, how we withdraw. I know for me as a nine, I can withdraw while I'm physically present. So if I can't physically get away, I will mentally not be there. And that I've really been working on that because that is annoying. Like I would not want that if I was with me, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) so I've been really working on being present and being where my feet are, my mind being where my feet are. And part of that and helping me do that is actually setting aside time to withdraw and be by myself in the morning and in the evening. Fives, I think they actually have to physically be away from people. And um, fours, I'm not really sure. We'll have to ask our, our four guests how they withdraw. I think, I think mostly it's physical for fours but we will definitely have to ask our four guests, make a note. (laughs) Note has already been made. (laughs) Listen to me, make a note, (laughs) taking charge. The one says says, happily, I would love to receive your note and make it in depth. Thank you. Thank you for, for that. So now tell me about which of the wings you are. I was going to say you most identify with, you don't, which, which is your wing? Tell me about your wings. (laughs) Um, so I used to think that I was, I, I leaned really heavily on my eight wing and I still think that I do lean pretty heavily on my eight wing. However, I am noticing the more that I'm paying attention to myself is I do lean on that one wing more than I thought. Like, for those listening, if you're not familiar, ones all are also called the perfectionist or reformer. But for this example, we're going to use perfectionist. Perfectionist and T, they just generally don't go together very well. 
<laughs> I'm like haphazard most of the time. I mean, but here's where it's showing up in certain things. I do need it to be done correctly. I don't like admitting this, but the dishwasher is one of those areas. (laughs) And, but obviously if someone else is willing to do my dishes, I just look the other way. See that wrong loaded dishwasher? We're looking the other way. (laughs) because also I don't want to do the dishes. So if someone else is willing to do them, I will turn the turn away. Um, another area that that shows up for me is my grocery cart. It has to be organized in a way such that the items in the cart go on the belt. So they go in the bag with refrigerated items, with refrigerated items, food or fruit and veg with fruit and veg, non-food items. You guys, Cass is just, she's got almost got her praise hands up here. (laughs) She's nodding along, but anyway, you get the idea. I'm pretty bad about my grocery cart. In fact, I used, I've gotten better about it, but I used to be so bad that one time my husband went to the grocery store without me and he found himself loading the cart the way that I would load the cart so that he, I wouldn't get after him about it. And then he was like, oh, wait, she's not with me. And he did it all willy nilly, which is weird because he is also a one. So, but apparently grocery carts aren't his. They're not a point of perfection for him. Uh <laughs> The other way the one wing really shows up is rule following. I thought that I was more of a rule breaker. And I think in some ways I still am, but I'm finding that I'm really a rule follower. Like when I see someone else, like if there is a sign up that says, I don't know what, and I see someone doing the opposite of what the sign is, it bothers me so much. Like, okay, no shoes, no shirt, no service. If you come in and you're not wearing a shirt, go back out and put a shirt on. Okay. (laughs) I know this. I know this. And that could also be because if you, I'm visualizing this for our listeners. If you look again, Enneagram picture, the legs that nine stand on are threes and sixes and threes are the most conforming. And sixes are the least. So if you also have a heavy one wing and you're leaning on into your three, you, you love a, you love a good rule. And I feel that I love a good rule too. Not a bad one, but yeah, if you don't, what are you even doing without a shirt? We don't walk around and you know what mine is, is when people don't put their grocery cards back. Oh, yes. The Lord literally created a lovely container for that grocery cart or the people that have one of the pallet things, you know, and they just shove it in there but then other people can't stack their grocery carts correctly. Anyway, this is not about me, so. <laughs> but I feel you there. Uh, the ways that I lean on my eight wing, however, which I still do feel like my eight wing is pretty strong. It's, it's probably I think so too. doing action again. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you were an albatross, your eight wing would be really well-developed. And your one wing would be there pretty well developed. I would just fly in circles because. Yeah, yeah you're just a little cockeyed. Wings. It's fine. It's fine. Um, but my eight wing, it shows up in 
it, it's hard having an eight wing when you're a nine because eights are, you know, as we learned from Allie, bold and speak up and don't mind ruffling some feathers and, you know, all those things feel very hard for a nine. So when I see things that I know I need to speak up on, my eight wing is over here. My, for some reason I've chosen my right side to be my eight wing, which would be <laughs> wrong on the actual diagram, I think. Right. No, no, that's right. If you, are if I'm laying in it, <laughs> but anyway, my eight is my right side. So my eight is here. Like telling me you need to say something, you need to say something, you need to say something. And then here I am in my nine center saying, no, that feels like conflict. That feels like conflict. That feels like an eight's like, yes, you need to say something. And so then I do, and they're sweating, but I never regret it. So there's that. It's just the initial, like actually doing it. That makes me sweat a little bit. However, if there is something that I am very firm on, I will not, like there are a few subjects that get me fired up and I, there's no sweating. I will just, I was get after them. (laughs) I was going to say, I see your eight a lot because there are certain things that you are very passionate about and it's very obvious and you are so eloquent when you speak about those things or write about those things. Um, and you also like an eight people really rally behind you when you, when you, when you are speaking your truth and standing in it and your eight is there and you're flapping your albatross wing. It is just lovely to behold. Given all of that, the wings and, and the falling asleep in the conflict, what tips can you offer those of us who are not nines about communicating with nines? Hmm. That is a very good question. You would have thought that I would have thought this over since I made the outline. Well, because it kind of ties in. The reason I'm struggling is because it kind of ties in with the one thing that I wish the world knew about type nines. It it all, it all ties together. Lump it. Lump it. So, um, the very last question we've been asking people is what's the one thing you wish the world knew about you as your type, which ties in heavily with how to communicate with nines. Nines have opinions. I think sometimes there's a misconception that we don't have opinions and that is not true. We have opinions. We just often keep them to ourselves to avoid conflict. And so if you want a nine's true feelings and opinions, give them permission, give them permission because we will voice it if we know you really want to hear it. Um, the other thing that I will say about communicating with nines and what I wish the world knew about nines is that nines also fall into this trap and this believe this lie about themselves sometimes that their presence doesn't matter. And so when you are communicating with a nine, do your very best to acknowledge what they're saying. Even if you're like, when I give advice, even if you're not going to take the advice, just acknowledge what they're saying 
and really make them feel like their presence doesn't matter. So remember when I was saying, when I check out in a room of people, like that bothers me and that's why it bothers me because as a nine, if someone did that to me, I would feel like my presence doesn't matter. And so it bothers me when I do essentially the same thing. I check out, I withdraw in, I'm like, I'm physically there, but I'm mentally not there. So yes, give them permission to speak their opinions and acknowledge what they're saying. Make them feel like their presence matters to you. Not just make them feel like their presence matters to you, like actually have their presence matter to you. That sounds dumb. <laughs> Cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, on that note, with Karen just telling us that we need to make sure nines feel as if their presence matters, <laughs> that's the end of our episode for today. <laughs> but, but. We are ending on that note because that is a really good thing for us all to do, not just for nines, but for people in general. And if you are listening, your presence matters here to us. And we are so grateful that you have listened to this whole episode, that you are here with us, that you take time out of your day to listen to me and Taryn be kind of awkward and sweaty on a podcast together. So stay tuned. The next episode will be even more awkward and sweaty because it's going to be my turn to talk about being a one, which is an awkward and sweaty experience in, in my experience. If you like what you've heard today, we would love, 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 love. If you would leave us a rating or review on iTunes and as always follow us on Instagram at type it out podcast. And we're so glad you're here. We hope your day is excellent. That's right. If you are, if I'm laying in it, (laughs) yes. If you are Lunetha clowning, please tell me you've seen the big comfy couch. No. (laughs) Oh boy. You're not going to get this reference. There's a girl that lays in a clock and then it's the clock. I'm going to send you a video. Okay. So that's a good, um, I need to stop saying that's a good nine 55 awkward moment. Oh man, T, thank you for bearing with me on this. Um, I want this episode to be long enough and I feel like we're going really fast.